The Scotiabank Women Initiative is a signature program designed to increase economic opportunity for individuals who identify as women or non-binary to be successful now and in the future. This unique offering helps women pursue their best professional and financial futures by providing unbiased access to capital and tailored solutions, bespoke specialized education, holistic advisory services, and mentorship. For more information, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. The last three years have been tough on Canadian entrepreneurs. That's why we are so excited to announce the 2023 Startup Canada Tour, a five-stop national opportunity to connect entrepreneurs across Canada. Join us for keynotes, panels, and practical workshops, an exhibitor zone featuring Canada's support organizations, speed mentoring in our Ask the Expert lounge, and an opportunity to compete in on-site pop-up pitches. We will be in Whitehorse on April 25th, Halifax on May 2nd, Vancouver on May 11th, Calgary on September 28th, and stay tuned for details on our final stop in Ontario. Want a free pass? Use code PODCAST at checkout. Learn more and get tickets now for the closest stop near you at startupcanadatour.ca. Welcome to the Startup Women Podcast, a show where we connect you, Canada's powerful cohort of women-identifying founders, to real stories and case studies of women-building businesses, supported by true, tactical advice from thought leaders and industry experts. I'm your host, Kayla Isabel, CEO of Startup Canada. Each month, I'll be sharing the mic with one founder and one expert. Together, we will dive into real stories and scenarios and uncover actionable advice for women entrepreneurs across Canada. From funding and hiring to sales and scaling strategies, on this show, we cover the most important topics so you can deconstruct the challenges of starting and running a business with knowledge that goes beyond the surface level. Let's get started. Welcome to the Startup Women Podcast. On the show today, we are thrilled to have Carla Briones and Vanessa Tehran. Carla is a proud Mexican-Canadian entrepreneur with retail, food, and online businesses, such as Global Pet Foods and Freshy. She's also the founder of KB Consulting, a business consulting and network agency for immigrants, BIPOC, and underrepresented entrepreneurs. Whenever I have newcomers coming to me and asking, you, do you think I have what it takes to be an entrepreneur? I'm like, absolutely. Let me remind you. <laughs> Let me remind you what you've gone through. You know, you've, you've moved across probably, you know, an ocean. You started from scratch. You adapted. You were resilient. You are, you know, a risk taker. Yes, you have it in you. Now, okay, now let's, now let's work on the strategy. Let's work now on the focus, on solving a problem and so on and so forth. But do you have it in you, you know, intrinsically? Absolutely, 100%. In 2021, Carla launched the Immigrants Developing Entrepreneurs Academy, IDEA an online platform developed to educate and connect newcomers to the Canadian business ecosystem. Carla works with all types of entrepreneurs who are launching, building, and scaling businesses. She's a Nation's Capital Immigrant Entrepreneur of the Year Award recipient, a top 25 immigrant winner in the entrepreneurship category by Canadian Immigrant Magazine, and a TEDx speaker on the topic of immigrant entrepreneurship, and serves on the board of directors 
for the Ottawa Markets and Ottawa Board of Trade with me, as well as a volunteer business mentor for Futurepreneur Canada and the Centre for Social Enterprise Development. We're also joined by our featured founder, Vanessa Tehran. One thing that I, I am so thankful is the way I became an entrepreneur because it's out of survival. When you do things out of survival, there's no way that you, you're, you don't have fear. By solving my own problem, I realized that I, that I had a business. And then I realized, oh, like it's growing and growing and then demand is, is getting higher. And then I started to hire other people. And then I realized, okay, so this is not only my parents' problem. This is a newcomer's problem that I'm solving here. Vanessa is a digital product marketer and clean tech entrepreneur with more than seven years of experience. She's worked with small and medium enterprises from the Ontario Chamber of Commerce and tech startups predominantly in tourism, fintech, and SaaS sectors. In 2022, Vanessa co-founded Aqua Preserve, a solution for the boating industry which helps track and reduce invasive species in Ontario's Great Lakes carried by watercraft. Vanessa and Aqua Preserve are educating the enthusiastic boating community about being more conscious of the harm and negative impacts that foreign invaders bring to fisheries, tourism, and natural biodiversity. As a young woman of color and a newcomer to Canada, Vanessa has felt the need to address issues of underemployment, equity, diversity, and inclusion, especially within underrepresented communities. She's advocated on behalf of these communities to several entities, such as SFU Venture Labs, Ontario Chamber of Commerce Roundtables, Rotary International, Red Cross Canada, City TV, and more. Through workshops, webinars, and conferences, Vanessa has built a platform for climate change and an inclusive space for newcomers in Canada. Oh my God, incredible bios, everybody. <laughs> really, really amazing. Together, we're going to hear about the unique experiences of immigrant women entrepreneurs. We'll also learn why their stories and lived experiences are their superpowers and discover the tools and resources available in Canada that make being an entrepreneur possible. Welcome to the show, Carla and Vanessa. Thanks for having us. Thank Super you. Excited. I am. I think I'm the most excited here. I'm so looking forward to this conversation uh, and uh, want to just really dive in. Carla, I'm going to pass it over to you first. Tell us the story of when and how you arrived in Canada. Mm, well, first of all, thanks for having us. Vanessa, I'm, I'm girl fanning on you already. Um, so I can't wait to hear your story. Um, so yeah, so I am originally from Mexico, from the north of Mexico, a town called Chihuahua, which is where the little dog comes from. Um, and I came when I was 18 years old. So I had finished um, high school. The situation in the north of Mexico wasn't doing that great. It wasn't safe. Drug, drug cartels and drug wars, you know, everything that you watch right now on Netflix, um, you know, like all of those like cartel uh, shows, that was my reality, unfortunately, when I was a teenager. Um, and my parents decided to drop everything and, and move us to Canada for a better life. Um, so I had very little say in this. Um, it was mostly my parents' um, decision. And we, we came, we, we drove, we drove from from Mexico all the way to Ottawa. As a, as a teenager or as a young adult, it was an, an exciting um, time in my life. But then very quickly, we lived your typical immigrant experience. Very quickly, I realized that my dad, who ha is an entrepreneur, uh, had a veterinarian hospital in Mexico. Um, he wasn't able to you know, to, to, to work as a veterinarian here. My mom was a school principal in Mexico. She wasn't able to work as a teacher here. So we lived the typical experience of my dad, um, 
working uh, selling gas contracts from door to door. And we joke that he didn't drive a taxi because the gas company called first. Uh, we can laugh about this. Um, and then my mom cleaned homes and then eventually was a cashier at our grocery store. Um, um, me as a university student, I went into uh, at Carleton. I had three jobs to kind of help put food on the table. So I had to grow up really, really, really quick um, and lived your pretty much your, your typical your typical immigrant experience back in the day. And unfortunately, not a lot of things have changed. Uh, hopefully, you know, things will change and eventually for, for immigrants. But uh, but eventually, after many, many years, my dad recertified. <clears throat> and my dad is a key person in, in my story because he recertified and he opened his hospital here in Ottawa. Uh, my mom became part, went back to school. Um, and then eventually I went into journalism of all things and worked in the industry for a bit. And then eventually I got a dog and it's the dog that I fell in love with. You know, my first dog as an adult and I call him the, the dog of my life. And he literally changed my life. Um, and he was the reason why I decided to drop my growing career in public relations and marketing in Toronto with my cushy job, you know, like six figure paying. And I decided to drop it all, come back to Ottawa, where my family was, and, and now my husband's family too, um, and open up a pet store, you know, because why not? <laughs> so I used my maternity leave. So that year when I came to Ottawa, when I returned to Ottawa, I was pregnant with my son. And so I used my maternity leave to sell our house, write a business plan, try to find um, funding in the middle of a recession, which was a 2008, 2009 recession, um, and try to figure out how to go about into opening a business as a new mom, as an immigrant. Um, and, and it was very challenging, but eventually, you know, many businesses later, um, I, I'm here to tell the story. Um, and now what I do, uh, I still have my businesses, believe it or not, like the once I opened 14 years ago, um, ran by incredible, incredible, incredible staff that I have that I couldn't do without them. But um, but now I dedicate my life to help other um, immigrant entrepreneurs not make the same mistakes that I did or the same mistakes that my father did when when he built his, his clinic here. Um, and I'm, I'm extremely passionate about, you know, diversity in business and about um, providing newcomers to Canada with that option. Um, as well, that entrepreneurship is definitely an option, um, and 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 again, that that's what I that's what I'm doing now. That's what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, Carla, Vanessa. I'm gonna pass it over to you. When did you arrive in Canada? What did it look like for you? Very similar to Carla, I arrived here um, at the age of 17, just right after high school. I got sponsored by the Rotary Club. Uh, my dad back home. Uh, was the president there and they, used, they have this youth exchange program and that was like my pathway to Canada. So I can say like at least like the first two years were, were very good. You know, when you immigrate as a student, I guess it's everywhere, but especially in Canada, uh, it gives you more, I, I don't know, it, it helps you to adapt to the culture. Um, you meet like-minded individuals and there's definitely more resources. Now, the issue was as an international student, you have to pay these crazy fees that my parents were not willing or no, we're not willing, but they were not really, they couldn't afford. And I remember a fun fact about me, my last year of school, I 
I open a GoFundMe and I throw a kegger. <laughs> and that's how I graduated. In- I love it. <laughs> I raised 10K in two weeks. Uh, just by like, and that's where I find out the power of social media. Mm. And since then, I can call myself a social media savvy because as much as there's definitely negative things about social media, there's also powerful things. And I can say social media helped me to graduate. So that's how I really got started, I guess, on um, that wasn't like as much as entrepreneurial, but that's, I, I mean, raising funding, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so sometimes we need to achieve some certain milestones. So whenever, w- when we grow older, we can look back and say, well, if I was able to do that, I can get through this. So um, I spent around eight years on my own. Um, and I always wish that I had someone else around, I guess, like family oriented, but at the same time, um it, it shaped a lot who I am today. Like being able to be on my own and explore the world uh, through my eyes is very different now that I decided to bring my parents. Um, my origin, like my background is from Venezuela. And it's not a lie, like Venezuela is not really the greatest country at the moment. And when I went back in 2019, I realized that the situation wasn't good. And I just decided, you know, I, I'm going to bring them to get them a better lifestyle. Now, I didn't know what I was getting myself into, um, but I am thankful that I didn't know because sometimes, you know, uh, when we start a new venture, when we start a new project, we overthink. And sometimes overthinking stops us from taking actions. The fact that I didn't overthink really didn't stop me. And I don't, I, and I will never doubt on bringing them here, but I definitely didn't know what was going to come next. And that's exactly what it took me. Um, I had to leave my nine to five you know, corporate threat meal job. And I decided to open uh, my family business in the spring on 2019, which is Aqua Group. And very similar to Carla's parents' story, um, it's a human capital and uh, in the in the cleaning industry. But um, I guess like our the main difference that we started out in the boating industry, uh, providing human capital for like maintenance for boats. And then those customers, turn into property customers. So now um, it's a group of services basically across different sectors. So I'm very happy uh, on on the way I, I got here. Um, it has taken a lot of strength, but it it is really what it allows me today to talk not only about my story, but on behalf of so many people that I have get to know on the way and that I know the struggle that they're living. And at the end, um, if we if we don't get ourselves out there, then how can we how can we raise our voice, right? So I love that and incredible that you have you both have you know some similarities in in that path, but very colorful backgrounds. That there have been so many twists and turns and ebbs and flows to this journey, and that's entrepreneurship, right? Like that, that's what it's all about. Uh, so embracing that and not thinking too hard about it, Vanessa. To your point, it's pretty complicated in different moments. Your your sort of inception story. You talk a lot about entrepreneurship out of necessity. And I think this is something that publicly we see so many successful stories of these new businesses starting and, uh, you know, it all seems very glamorous and these overnight successes, et cetera. But there are so many people, you know, within the startup Canada community and entrepreneurs that we talk to every day that are starting businesses out of necessity. We saw so much of that during the pandemic as well as traditional industries sunset, um, as people were getting laid off, et cetera. And so I don't think this is something that's going anywhere anytime soon. Um, and that brings 
its own challenges. Vanessa, what was your experience approaching entrepreneurship um, as a, a necessary vehicle to supporting your family and bringing your parents here? It's a lot of pressure to be, you know, entering entre into entrepreneurship with. Um, walk us through what that that felt like and, and um, paint us that picture for us. Yeah. So as you said, it was, I, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. But one thing that I I am so thankful is the way I became an entrepreneur because it's out of survival. When you do things out of survival, there's no way that you, you're, you don't have fear because whatever the spot that you fear, you're there. So you can only really look up. And that's something that I'm thankful because now that sometimes I speak with other founders um, and I see how they are stressed about different topics, I, I, I just think, wow, I'm thankful that at least like I, got, I just got pushed. So when you get pushed, that's, that's, that's your driving motto. And, and that's very hard. Sometimes some people call it motivation. Other people call it, you know, like your passion. But for me, I was just passionate to get myself out there so I can, you know, afford the living of my household. Now, the other point that I like to highlight on this is that by solving my own problem, I realized that I, that I had a business because I started out pretty much as an agent. Okay, I'm going to be your agent. I'll get you guys set. Don't worry. And then I realized, oh, like it's growing and growing and the demand is, is getting higher. And then I started to hire other people. And then I realized, okay, so this is not only my parents' problem. This is a newcomer's problem that I'm solving here. Carla, you know, there's so much to understand as an entrepreneur and then add in the complexities of being a newcomer entrepreneur and understanding, you know, or feeling culture shock or, you know, culture shifts, language barriers, understanding all of these different new systems um, and some of those elements that Vanessa just talked through as well. What was your experience navigating um, through this this new environment and approaching entrepreneurship um, throughout your entire career? Because you moved, you know, when when you were a bit younger. But um, how did that shape how you approached entrepreneurship? Yeah. So be, being an immigrant, um, being okay. So so being an entrepreneur, it's it's like it's a roller coaster, right? Like you go through the roller coasters of entrepreneurship, and it's also very lonely. It's a it can be a very lonely thing to do, right? Becoming an entrepreneur, you're at the beginning, especially you're focused 100% on your business and your social life suffers um, and many other things. So it's, it can be very lonely. When you come to Canada or to any country and you arrive as a, as a newcomer, as an immigrant, that is also very lonely, right? Because you don't, I mean, the, the majority or at least generally speaking, an immigrant doesn't have a network here, doesn't have anybody who they know, doesn't have that social capital um, so, so you're, and it's, it's a roller coaster on its own. And they're very similar to those roller coasters. When you really think about it first is the excitement of the new thing. Then you're kind of like, oh my God, you're in the thick of things. And you're like, oh my God, like, I didn't think it was going to be this hard. And then eventually you're going to go up. So it's the same roller coaster that you experience as an entrepreneur. It's exactly the same thing, uh, or well, very similar as an immigrant. So when you're writing both at the same time, it can be very hard on the mental health. It can be very hard on your, you know, on your spirit. It can be, it can, it can be extremely, extremely hard to navigate entrepreneurship as an immigrant. So it's super important to um, surround yourself with, you know, those individuals that are going to help you. But when you're a newcomer, you don't even know who those individuals are. Um, and then Vanessa was saying how you know Canada is such a great country with a lot of resources, uh, which is true. And sometimes when you come as an immigrant from a country where you're not used to the government helping you that much, if any, 
Um, those resources feel like you're drinking out of a fire hose because everybody's like, oh, and you should do this and you should go here and you should, you know, research this grant and research this thing. And it's so much information that you're like, whoa, like, I don't know, like, it's great, but it's too much. Like, which one should I focus on? Um, so there's set like, there's a, a few nuances for, for immigrants that are very peculiar that unless you've been there, you don't know that that's an, that's a thing, right? Particularly the government, you know, like there's, again, we're so blessed in Canada with so many resources. Um, but as an immigrant, it's like trying to, okay, you find the resources. So how can you sift through all of those and choose the ones that are actually going to get you to the next point um without you losing your focus so so that is super hard <laughs> but um but yeah so there, there's definitely uh lots of barriers there's lots of um similarities in the in the roller coaster that i call it um and then just trying to navigate all of the resources and trying to find out which ones are worth pursuing and which ones are not worth pursuing and then if i add the extra layer of um trying to access funding to open a business when you're an immigrant your credit history doesn't migrate with you so you have to start from scratch baby so if you want to open a business accessing credit is near impossible so there's a lot of layers of intricacy when when you're coming in as a newcomer um, to open a business or acquire a business or bring your business from back home over to canada um, there's a whole bunch of, of obstacles that that need to be um, that, you, that we need to jump through and and um, you know and 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 be successful. And we are very lucky to have advocates in Vanessa and Carla advocating for more simplicity around this process and and championing some of these challenges because we take for granted some of these connections we have with our financial institutions and getting a credit card and these things that um, you think everyone's able to do that to Carla's point, you're starting from scratch when you're entering um, in as as an immigrant. and that that foundation affects everything that you try to build on top of that, right? No, and I agree with Carla because um, something that I was discussing the last week was you apply for different things and, okay, you get rejected, but no one tells you the feedback. No one tells you where you were wrong. And so you, you now know that you are wrong, but then it's like, how can you even evaluate yourself? So, and that, that adds an extra layer of emotion uh, within yourself. So, yeah, like it can be challenging navigating um, through different resources, um, yeah, like when, when you have offered like so many different, but then if you apply and you don't get anything, then you don't even know where, where to start or like what what's the area that you need to fix. Great. And we're going to get into all the tools for success and hopefully be able to skim down to some core resources later in this episode, which is always handy for our listeners. Uh, so Carla, I want to pass it over to you um, from your perspective as a writer for um, The Ottawa Citizen and some really great work that you've done um, through those columns and op-eds that I read uh, religiously and have always really aligned myself with the feedback that you provided there. Um, and in one of your pieces, you described entrepreneurs as resilient. Of course, we know that. Um, and then newcomer entrepreneurs as double resilient. And I think this parallels to sort of your simultaneous roller coaster example. Who are newcomer entrepreneurs in Canada? What are the commonalities that they have? Um, for those that might not be familiar with this community, paint us a picture of what that community sort of looks like nationally. Yeah. So obviously resilient is it's a it's a word that keeps coming up. And I I always paint newcomers as super like they have like we have superpowers as uh, we're 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 entrepreneurial in nature, right? 
Because when you think about it, when an entrepreneur, like, you know, you read the books and the magazines and the blog posts of what are the characteristics of an entrepreneur, right? And it's going to be, you know, resilience is one of them. Adaptability, it's another one. Um, you know, an ability to uh, resourceful. They have to be very, we as entrepreneurs, we have to be very resourceful to adapt, so on and so forth. But when you really think about it, immigrants, I mean, um, we have to be resourceful <laughs> to try to look for our new life here in this new country. We are adaptable. I mean, we adapted to a completely new country. We adapted to a completely new language. We adapted to a completely new way of living. And uh, we have to be resilient, right? Like we have no choice. Like, otherwise, I mean, we need to, like, it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's not even, it's not even a choice. We have to. So when you really think about it, um, uh, risk takers, that's another one. You know, when you're an entrepreneur, you have to be a risk taker. Gosh, as an immigrant, we took the biggest risk of our lives, you know, by leaving everything and coming here. So when I paint the picture of who are immigrant entrepreneurs, we're that we're, we're intrinsically already very entrepreneurial by nature because we have intrinsically those characteristics within us and it's just a matter of you know polishing dots and and focusing the attention and focusing the your efforts to actually go and open a business but whenever i have newcomers coming to me and asking you do you think i have what it takes to be an entrepreneur i'm like absolutely let me remind you <laughs> let me remind you what you've gone through you know you've you've moved across probably you know an ocean you started from scratch you adapted you are resilient you are you know a risk taker yes you have it in you now okay now last now let's work on the strategy let's work now on the focus on solving a problem and so on and so forth but do you have it in you you know intrinsically absolutely 100 so you know i and that's the picture i want to paint on on immigrant entrepreneurs we are hard workers and failure I hate saying this, but a lot of times failure is not an option for us, right? Like we've, we, we have gambled it all. We have put all of our eggs in that one basket, whether it is a luggage, a plane ticket, whatever it is that got us here. Um, all of our eggs are there and we're, and, and we left because we, a lot of the times we needed to leave because the situation wasn't great at home. Um, but we are determined to make it work one way or another. And it means perhaps selling gas contracts from door to door at the beginning and being a cleaning um, lady at the beginning. But we know that this is, you know, it's a means to an end. And, and we come here with big dreams. And um, yeah, and many, many, many of us go to achieve those big dreams. So resilient and hard workers, and we have heart. And family is a big driver and, and making sure that you know, we do everything to succeed so that we can help our family either here or the ones back home. That's very important. So, yeah, we're awesome. <laughs> Carla, you've just painted such a beautiful parallel um, and all the skills that people look for in a great founder. Um, and you've already climbed that mountain and demonstrated that proof of concept <laughs> that you can do it. Now you just need to find the business idea that, you know, you're passionate about and that, that can bring you sort of into that next new chapter. I love that example, Carla. Uh, Vanessa, you gave up your full-time job. You mentioned earlier uh, in Canada and made this switch into entrepreneurship, which is also not very easy and takes a tremendous amount of courage to let go of some, some of that security um, in the pursuit of entrepreneurship. 
what does resilience mean to you? And, and is it a tool that you've had to really harness through these different seasons of your life? Absolutely. Um, I think that the main thing with resilience, uh, very similar to what Carla said, is really the ability to withstand adversity and just bounce back and grow despite life downstorms. Like, uh, but the resilience is not, we, we don't come with resilience. It's been built. And even if we have gone through already a lot and enough, as you said, I have to turn back even this week on a daily basis and look at resilience because it's something that is being built over time. Um, it takes a strength. It takes help from the people around you. And it will likely take setbacks in, in, in life. But some of the ways that, that, that can be built is the way we see the world. I always think that myself, I like to call myself citizen of the world because now that I go back home in Venezuela, I don't feel that I'm a citizen there, but then I'm also having this culture shock here. So I'm just like, I'm just citizen of the world <laughs> where I adapt myself to any situation. And funny enough, when I decided to stay here, um, and during my exchange, I had to live with different host families to get immersed in the Canadian culture and everything. And when I made the move of staying fully by myself here, I I think something that hold me in like hold me very strong was thinking I'm traveling. So every time I travel, when we travel, we're open-minded. When we travel, we're open to try the food that we don't like. We are open to take the bus in this area that we don't know. We're open to, to talk to strangers. So that's where I think unconsciously I adapted and that's how I've been living. And I think it has worked over my favor in terms of, I, I think, unlocking opportunities. So definitely resilience, it's something that you build over time and, it's, and, and the job is never done. Because life will throw at you different stages, whether it's on a personal, whether you're starting a family or you start your new venture and you unlock different aspects of you that you will need resilience for it. So that's really what it means to me. Mm, I love that. And and to your point um, of not holding on to your ideas too tightly, right? You're naturally always being flexible in that travel posture. You're, you know, exploring things. You're curious. You're learning as you go. Um, that can be a really hard part of the entrepreneurship journey of not being too wedded to a specific way of doing things or a specific idea that you have. That flexibility is something that many founders, I think, really struggle with. And to see this journey and um, having to roll with the punches a little bit, because unfortunately, there have been so many challenging other obstacles thrown in your way. Um, that helps so much in business. Your point of also with family and in life. Like taking curveballs and be able to run with them. Like that's a great life skill that all of us could benefit from, especially when, you know, a global pandemic happens or when, you know, a potential economic turbulence. Like it's it's bumpy. <laughs> oh, and I wanted to link back, you know, to, to Carla's superpower kind of comment, because I think that is a really beautiful way to describe um, immigrants and 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 this this superpower that they inherently have already um, by already navigating through what we've already talked about. Is that something, Vanessa, that resonates with you? Do you think that gives you an edge and, and a bit of a superpower on your end too? Absolutely. You know, I I wish for a long time, I, I was like, I wish I didn't have this accent. But then a friend told me, Vanessa, you wouldn't be Vanessa if you didn't have your accent. Because that's how people remember you. And that resonates so much with me because that's exactly who I am. And I mean, it's, it's very hard. It's still hard. But it's what I take on my life, um, on on with my life in, in my lifetime, and then that's exactly what I'm going to apply. If I ever build something, I will make sure that it's from this point of view. 
you know, so and and that has the, the, the amount of impact. So it absolutely resonates with me. I think that immigrants and immigrants entrepreneurs are superpowers, absolutely superpowers. And and I, I, I have a lot of respect for for all of us because it's, it's definitely not easy. And and it takes courage, a lot of courage to 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 build something from scratch and to delegate and manage a team and keep them inspired while building something and 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 just try to to implement your 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 idea into into the in a global scale. So um, it's definitely a superpower for sure. Love it. I totally agree. <laughs> uh, so I'd love to get a little technical and get some really concrete, practical advice for listeners. Because on the Startup Women podcast, we love the tools, we love the resources, we love amplifying other support organizations that have been helpful along the way, um, and so as specific as possible is what, what we're going for here. Um, Carla, I want to start with you in in your story. You know, you've shared that you've had very challenging moments and and you know wanting to give up potentially at points, but you didn't, and you really believe that. Um, you know, finding and having the right tools uh, was what made entrepreneurship possible for you and having that access. Um, what, what, what tools have been most helpful for you? What was your journey like finding them? Was it Google searching your way through it? Was it talking to other, uh, you know, newcomers? Walk us through how you actually found um, some of the tools that helped you start your business. So funny enough, um, so I started my business very blind. <laughs> you know, when you don't know what you don't know, it's um, it gives you that certain na- naivete where you don't, we're not, you're not afraid because you don't know what's on the other side. So you kind of just go you roll with the punches, and then you know, a few years later, you're like, oh my god, I can't believe I did it. <laughs> Um, had I known what was on the other side, I probably wouldn't have, right? So, and it wasn't until later that I started when I realized. I was a new mom, a new immigrant, a a new business owner. So I was really lonely, guys. Like I was like, my life consisted of my kid, my business and and my family. That was it. Um, And there was a moment when I realized um, I can't do this alone. Like I I can't... um, I can't just focus on my four walls in my business. I need, in order for me to grow my business, I need to reach out to, I don't know who, um, in order for me to scale this business. And that's when I started um, doing the networking and when I started kind of branching out a little bit from my four walls and, and really finding out what resources were available. Because I came from the mentality of, you know, in my country, there's no resources. So I assume that in Canada, there weren't resources either, right? Wrongly assumed that. Uh, and nobody told me that there, there, it was completely the opposite. And it wasn't until probably five years into my business, guys, five years that I started, uh, I realized that there is an economic development agency, that there are organizations that help you scale, that there are all of these different programs. And I was like, oh my God, where where were you guys five years ago? Um, Because I didn't know what I didn't know, right? So um, I remember for me, um, one of the biggest realizations was that every single big city, or actually not even big, every single town and city in Canada, has a small business enterprise center, right? Like an ESPIC. And to me, that was a lifeline. Um, you know, in Ottawa is Invest Ottawa, in Toronto is Enterprise Toronto. Um, you know, there's all of these small business enterprise centers that have so many resources, so many workshops, 
um, it's an ecosystem that you can just tap into right away. Um, while that might be a given and something that is sort of second nature for, for most, for a newcomer that is not used to having that luxury in your home countries, that is, that's like, you know, like it's, it's a, my brain exploded when I found out about this. So um, to me, that was key. And then, um, and then another key thing was about how, if you talk, people listen, regardless of what your accent, regardless of where you're from, if you have something to say, um, to actually use your voice and people will listen. And I learned this lesson during COVID. Um, when the world shut down and I'm trying to survive, again, realizing on my own, there's no way, uh, when we didn't even know the, the, the complexities that COVID was going to bring at the beginning, it's like, there's no way I'm gonna survive this on my own. So then that's when I started reaching out to, you know, the the, the, the local uh, board of trade. And when I started to reach out to all of these, that my, my local MPs and MPPs and my city councilors, again, coming from a country where nobody really listens unless you know somebody in the government, um, actually, actually actively being able to get involved in these roundtables and whatnot, and where I would provide feedback and, and, and ideas, and they would listen. To me, again, as an immigrant who I've never had that luxury in my country, that was, oh my God, they're listening to, and, and I got drunk, they're listening to this little girl, 18 year old girl who was sitting in the middle of a U-Haul truck traveling to Canada. And then that's when the itty bitty shitty committee in your brain starts going, who am I? You know, like, it's like the, the, oh my God, like I'm just this girl and they're, but they're listening to me. So it's like all of these like mental struggles of like, oh my God. But to me, it, it was so beautiful how there, the help is out there. If you talk, they will listen. If you ask for help, they will help you. Um, obviously it's reciprocal, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was, um, all of these tools that exist, it took me a while to figure them out. Um, but now I'm like a big proponent of like, oh my God, go to your local small business enterprise center or, you know, check out Startup Canada and their amazing toolkit. Okay, by the way, congrats on that toolkit. It's awesome. Um, and like all of these things that if, if you don't know what you don't know as an immigrant and it just takes somebody to actually point you in the right direction. Sorry, I rambled. <laughs> I love it. It's a fabulous ramble. Vanessa, what was your journey like trying to find some resources at the beginning? Which I, I actually love it too. Um, I can relate. I can relate a lot to 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 all the struggles because it's exactly what I went through. Um, for me, was that it, uh, complementing the point of Carla. Um, I think there's something about immigrants that we get afraid or we are shy mm -hmm. to speak or to mm -hmm. or for of the rejection. So sometimes like you may know because I mean through university I knew all the resources that are out there, but then I said who is gonna pay attention to me that I'm just like trying to just get this started with my parents. Like it's just something so small. So I never really reach out for a while until one of the social workers of my parents call and I had to be their translator. And meanwhile in the call while my parents were looking for something, I just told her, you know, I'm I I'm just starting this out and I have no idea. And she directed me to Access Capital Fund. That was like the very, very first program I ever did. 
And I think that was like my foundation to get myself into everything else. So um, I did their their accelerator program for women. It was uh, for four months. I won the pitch actually, and that's how I won a membership in the Women Chamber of Commerce, where I met Nancy. Now, love Nancy. same thing as Carla. Yes, I love Nancy too because she was she allowed me to be myself. And again, I I was at that point. And the you don't know what you don't know, that was completely me. On the round tables that she invited me, I was just really speaking my mind with no filter, no just being myself. And and I was I just I just had so much to say about, you know, th- there's this labor shortage, but I have so many people who need a job. So I was just really speaking my mind with my broken English a little bit and and it actually worked out because then um, other organizations started to reach out saying, oh, like, I, I would love you to, to speak here because I guess like, they saw that, that I wasn't afraid to speak my mind. So that's a, definitely a key point that sometimes um, because we're afraid to knock doors, we, don't, we, we just miss the opportunities, not because they're not there. It's just because we, there's something culturally that we, we are afraid of this rejection. And I think that this is not only for immigrants, just generally, we're afraid of this rejection. So we think that we cannot reach out so and and until this day it, it, it still has happened but but not as much as before because I know now that there there's definitely help out there and there's definitely people open uh, to find solutions for you so after I, I I started out with the Women Chamber of Commerce, I got connected to the Ontario Chamber of Commerce, and that's how I discovered also Startup Canada, where um, the launch of the tool, toolbox, it actually helped me myself, and I just spread it out in my community. Like anyone who, who knew that I was starting a business and was just following my journey over social media, they were asking me, oh, how can I get a start? And I would just send the link. <laughs> just check this out. <laughs> just check this out. So so is that you, you can see how powerful can 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 that, that that can be. Now going back to all the resources and and knowing that that there's so much out there, the biggest struggle is choosing what's right for you. Because not all programs are designed for all kind of entrepreneurs. And I think that as an entrepreneur, we need to find our niche, understand very well where our audience follow and really understand that like business and marketing plan goes, because then we are able to really choose what's the right program. I went through after like different programs that were definitely great because for me, I just felt like anything related to education, I'll take it. I'm a sponge. I will learn from it anyways. But now at the stage where I'm currently at, I need to choose more carefully where to go because then you also don't want to waste your time and pass other opportunities because you are in the wrong program. So yeah, that was my experience. That's a great comment, Vanessa. And and I think to Carla's earlier point as well, we've never seen more support for entrepreneurs in Canada. And it, it now almost, my, my passion is trying to consolidate and centralize what those offerings are because I can't keep up. I live and breathe and this is my job <laughs> to connect with all these different support organizations. And every day I learn of a, a new program, a new initiative, a new incubator, accelerator, new funding program. Um, there's so much information out there. So being selective, being informed, um, trying to find organizations that also align with your values and the type of business that you want to build. Not everybody is going to have a super high growth tech startup coming from downtown Toronto. And that's totally fine. We don't need our entire country to build those types of businesses. There is 
inherent variety that we need to see in the entrepreneurship space and different types of founders and a diversity of ideas. Mm. Uh, there we Amen. go. That, uh, yeah, we can't all go through the same linear path. Yeah, no, and I like that because um, actually when I was going through my own journey, um, so I so I have main street businesses, right? So, so bricks and mortar businesses, um, and there was information that I couldn't find, you know, how do you, when you sign a lease, what are some of the things as an entrepreneur that you should be asking a potential landlord? What are some of the implications? Um, so on and so forth. And I couldn't find it. Um, you know, if somebody wants to open a franchise, what are some of, you know, the franchise store, you're going to get a lot of information of franchises trying to sell you their franchises, but you don't get a lot of information on the other side. What are some of the things that you really need to look into? What are some of the red flags that you really need to check? Um, and again, I've been in the franchise world as well, so I couldn't find it. And I'm like, you know what? Well, I'm going to create them. So I've, I've created my own resources that I make them available in my, in my own website for people, you know, you want to rent a location, learn from my mistakes, learn from my $50,000 mistake that I made once at the beginning. I don't want you to make it again. This is what you should be asking. This is what you should be looking for obviously get a lawyer. Um, but even like when you're just like starting to research this, this information that I find that um, it's so it's so specific, but also it's applicable to a lot of different types of businesses. Um, and for some reason, I couldn't find it. So I created it. And then I get asked a lot of the times kind of like you, Kayla, probably, uh, what are some of those funding programs? What are those some some grants available, so on and so forth. But because I deal with um, underrepresented entrepreneurs. So I created my own guide for women grants available, uh, immigrant entrepreneur grants available. So all of the stuff that I wasn't finding in one place, <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, let's create it <laughs> and let's make it available. So, um, so a lot of the resources that I needed that I couldn't find, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to, oh, I'm just going to create that. Total doer moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Of 100%. If it doesn't exist, <laughs> let's solve this problem right now and democratize the access, right? Like we don't need to gate all the, this, these pieces of information. And I think that's been a challenge in entrepreneurship and that has, um, you know, created these systems that are often dominated by a particular type of person. Person because we gate the information, we gate the access, we gate the investments, uh, you know, where that, that can come from. Having all of this information more easily accessible supports a much more um, diverse group of, of founders because then it, your business has to stand up, right? It's not the fact that you didn't find the resource that's going to compromise your growth. Um, it's the fact that, you know, you may have explored a different part of your business incorrectly or whatever. Um, but to the extent that we can at least just find those resources quickly, like, oh, that would be that would be my magic wish <laughs> if I can make one thing happen for the entrepreneurship community it would be that seamless access. But anyway, back to other areas of this podcast. So I think we could talk about that all day long. Um, I would love to um, get your perspective. Uh, maybe Carla, we'll start with with you first. With starting a business, you know, it's obviously incredible and tough. You're navigating a new country. All of its systems, all of these elements are very challenging. Um, and before entrepreneurs get started on the technical things, there are some questions that they can ask themselves to begin to identify the direction or sort of the compass. Where should they be leaning um, when they're looking to start their venture and where they want to go? What type of business do they want to start? What does scale actually look like? Do they even want to scale? Um, let's start with, with you, Carla. What are some of those foundational questions you think every entrepreneur should ask themselves at the beginning of that journey when they're thinking, I've got this idea, what's my next step? 
Mm-hmm. So first of all, um, what problem are you solving, right? So how is your how is your idea going to be different from the next door's you know neighbor? Um, so what is what is really the problem that you're solving, and who are you solving it? For. And I think that's uh, those are key, key questions that need to be asked. Um, sometimes with entrepreneurs, we get so excited. We get so excited with our idea that we kind of forget to think about, you know, who is our ideal target and all of like the boring questions. Um, but there's a reason why those questions exist. So um, actually, before even that, because this is a question that I get all the time, like almost every day. Um, I get an email from someone that asked this question and is from an, from a newcomer and it's what is the best type of business to open in Canada? Like what is the best business to open in Canada? I get it every single day without, I'm not joking either on LinkedIn or through my social media or by email. What's the best business to open in Canada? I arrived to Canada. I'm a newcomer. I want to open a business, but what's the best business to open? And it's a tough question to answer. Yeah, right? What's your answer? I'm curious. And my, and my <laughs> answer. Yeah. My answer is like, it's a long answer, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know what? Like, I'm not going to tell you what is the best business to, to open because I could tell you that anything in cybersecurity is pretty hot right now. But if you're not passionate about it, if you have no, like, not even a slight interest in it, when, you know, when shit hits the fan, if you have that business open, because shit's going to hit the fan, right? Like, things are going to get really messy, crappy. You're going to have good days. You're going to have really bad days, too. If you're not passionate about that business, guess what? That business, like, you're you're just not going to find it in you to keep, to keep fighting for that business. So my number one thing is find out something that you're passionate about, that you're interested in, that gets you excited, even if you don't have the knowledge on how to do it. So long as it gets you excited, um, then, you know, then we can look at, okay, what are the statistics in this type of industry? What are the benchmarks? What are, you know, let's start looking at numbers and, and telling the story through the numbers and then, okay, so this is the industry that you're interested in. Okay. So what is the problem that you're going to solve and who you're going to, who you're going to solve it for? Um, and again, as, as, um, I don't know, Vanessa, if this happens in, in Venezuela, but in Mexico, this happens. Um, where, and I know in other countries because of my clients, where uh, it's so easy to open a business in Mexico. Uh, anybody can open a business. There is a restaurant in every single garage in every home, right? Like, you know, it's mm-hmm. like the, the 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 mom knows how to cook. They put some couple of tables on the front, you know, garage, and there's it's a it's a kitchen, and it's it's probably the most delicious food you're gonna have. But businesses, we get so excited, like Latinos, we're like super excited, right? And and we get into it, but we don't think about the nitty gritty. We don't think about the boring stuff because we're like, okay, we'll figure it out on the go. We'll figure it out on the go. We'll figure it out. And that's how a lot of businesses fail, right? Because they don't really put the, the, the time beforehand to kind of be a little bit more strategic and find and answer those questions that need to be answered, unfortunately. Um, so, um, but yeah, so anyway, so I would, I would say, take the time, take the time to create something either not, you don't necessarily have to build a business plan, even a small business model canvas, something that will help you kind of, um, put a little bit of strategy like, you know, before your, your energy and your, you know, shiny object syndrome kind of takes over. Um, uh, but see, so yeah, so it's like, what are you passionate about? Um, let's, after you figure out what you're passionate about, let's see what industry that kind of falls into. What are the numbers in that industry? Because there's Canadian numbers, benchmarks that will tell you if that industry 
can be profitable or not. And then once you figure that, that out, then what's the problem? What's the solution and who you're solving that problem to? And then let's map out the business through a business canvas or something. Um, and it's not as exciting because as an entrepreneur, you just want to start tomorrow. Um, but it's like, wait, just wait a little bit. Just wait a little bit. It'll be worth it. <laughs> And skipping those foundations, like it's going to bite you in the butt. I've never seen a founder not regret having done a little bit more competitive analysis or a little bit more research into their name before trying to go down a trademarking avenue, et cetera. Just spending that initial time is going to save you so much energy in the long term. And then you get to be passionate and you know explode these various ideas once you've got that solid base. Mm-hmm. Vanessa, are there any other key questions you would recommend to ask yourself when you're trying to figure out um, where to go to next in your entrepreneurial venture? Yeah, I think like more than questions, I will compliment um, Carla's point because um, she gave the point of view from an expert. I'll give the point of view from a founder based on like what she says. So the passion, it's something that is 100% true, like 100% a must. If you're not passionate, it doesn't matter how great his idea, who is in the driving seat, who's driving the bus, right? And I even on the on pre-incubators or in, in programs, they don't really give you a grant or they don't make you a winner, not only because of your idea that it can be a great idea, but they also like invest it in you. Like, are you really passionate enough to drive this? Are you passionate enough to follow this? Because otherwise, yes, I'll help you. But if I don't see that spark, then maybe I'll invest into someone else, especially in the early stages of, of any venture. I think mainly any kind of investors or like any grant access, any any organization that is providing grants is going to invest mainly on the founder. And one of the skills that they or one of the things that they're looking for is really passion. So I definitely compliment Carla's point 100%. Without the passion, there's no driver in the bus. Now, the second thing is... Um, I, I agree about the business plan myself. Again, like I didn't have a business plan when I first even incorporated my business. So, and that, and that has bided me uh, uh, for the last years. But it's something that I also think is okay. You need a business plan. Let's say, like in my case, I knew that I needed a business plan from long time ago. But then, who keeps you accountable when you are a solopreneur? Who really is like who who is that person that you can hold a hand or like when you don't really feel like it or you're overwhelmed, you're going through this roller coaster, tells you, hey, get up and do the business plan. Allocate some time to do the business plan. Or hey, no, like you need you need some sort of review. So that's where like I really recommend programs, like knocking doors on different programs. And especially at the at the beginning, if it's only an idea that you have, I think any program will work. Now when when the idea is developed, then that's where like you have to be more selective on where to go. But at the beginning, I will hundred percent knock doors in the incubators that university offers or that the city or the town offers because um, that's where like you're going to one have like your questions are going to be answered and then you're really going to understand more about if this is a feasible idea and it's going to be sustainable over time. So those like my my two key points from from this. Love it. And you get so much fire from community around you, right? To see other ventures succeed and navigate through different things. Like the energy of community um, is so important in entrepreneurship in particular and in our lives in general, right? Like we need people around us, surrounding us during the challenging moments to hype us up, to give us some of that fuel as, as we're living our lives. 
which that's also very, very cultural, I find. I think like since I became an entrepreneur, I, I have always been a, a very given and, and that's really like my personality. But in our culture, at least like Latin or Venezuelan, there's so much competition that people don't believe. Yes. Oh my people God, yes. don't believe that you're helping them. People think that you're setting them up. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's something that I think entrepreneurship, at least in Canada, it really uh, wakes up this, um, this other side of humanity that people understand, oh, okay, you're not competing with me. And even if you are in the same industry, we, you are my direct competition, you still like help them. You just still you still want people to win because you you know that at the end like what what you have to offer it's very unique and if it's similar to the other you're gonna pivot <laughs> so uh, that's that's really like what what I will say that is there's a cultural aspect on on providing resources and and understanding that that is so true oh my god um i discovered this again i discovered this late uh when i opened my restaurant six years ago um i i, I realized that I mean, I mean in mexico or latin america like all the restaurants are competing against you know each other and trying to get the customers and whatnot so you kind of work very siloed you very you know you're just in your four walls and um and then i and somebody told me hey you're not part of the facebook group i'm like oh my god what facebook group you know what cool cool you know club you're talking about it's like no all of the restaurant owners in ottawa were part of this facebook group and i'm like oh really so i joined this facebook group um and it was amazing it's just it's such a giving group where if somebody finds a better supplier or somebody wants to sell something or somebody's looking for a chef or a staff or whatnot like all of these restaurant owners which you know they're competitors you know for the lack of better words just the the camaraderie and like the 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 collaboration uh, especially during COVID, it was it was it was sort of like a lifeline for many of us when when things were not doing that going that great. Um, and when I tell this to other newcomers, the, the newcomers that I that I mentor, I'm like, okay, so you want to open a bakery shop? Great. Okay, you're on your on the, doing this. Okay, make sure you join this group. And it's the same reaction. Like, what do you mean? What is this group? Well, this is what happens. Really? <laughs> but 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 we're competing. I'm like, no 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 no. <laughs> we're not competing. We're collaborating, and we're better and stronger together. As cliche as that sounds. Businesses need funding as fuel. We've covered a lot of different resources, but ultimately you need money. This is the number one challenge that founders face um, when starting a business in Canada and internationally is, is access to that funding. Are there any specific grants or methods of funding for immigrant entrepreneurs that you would recommend looking to first? Carla, walk us through a list. <laughs> Yeah, so um, so there's there's gonna be far uh, sorry far few of them uh, uh, and specifically targeted for immigrant entrepreneurs, but they do exist. Um, first of all, I would recommend any immigrant looking to start a business to Google microfinancing. Uh, microfinancing are very specific to the region that you live in, so I would recommend Google microfinance start a business uh, newcomer entrepreneur, and you should be able to find uh, what are some microfinancing institutions. In Ottawa, is the Ottawa Community Loan Fund. Uh, Vanessa, I think uh, the Access, um, you went through the Access, uh, that's a microfinance as well. Um, so these microfinancing in institutions look to fund um, people in the community that normally wouldn't be able to access 
regular loans. Um, micro, they're usually smaller, anywhere between, you know, as, as small as $500 to up to $20,000. Uh, I haven't seen anything larger than $20,000 with microfinancing. Then I would also look into the BDC Newcomer Entrepreneur Program, although that one is not to start the business. Let's say, Vanessa, actually, you would be a great, <laughs> a great candidate for that. A business has, has already been open and you need to scale it a little bit. It's been like a year or about a year open. Um, it is a $50,000 uh, loan through BDC and it's specifically for newcomer entrepreneurs. Um, and then I always, 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 always and forever will recommend if you are under 39 years old to look into Futurepreneur just because they have an amazing, amazing program up to $60,000. They used to have a, a newcomer uh, entrepreneurship um, arm before, um, I, th I think they can still they can still do it, but it's a fantastic program that it provides you with mentorship. Actually, that's how I started. I started with that with that uh, with that loan. They were the only ones that would lend me money. Um, so I only have great things to say about Futurepreneur. So yeah, so microfinancing, uh, the BDC Newcomer Entrepreneur. That that one would be for after you've been open for a year. Uh, and then another startup would be for um, through Futurepreneur. Okay. Vanessa, any other funding resources to add? I think that uh, besides everything that Carla says, um, I would also look into the government portal because sometimes like we, we, we just underestimate the government portal, but the government portal has a lot of different resources and they actually have a category depending on the industry you are. And depending if you are, let's say, even if you are pitching to the government, they even have a, a an open source where you can even pitch to the government. So um, I will also, depending on the stage of, of the idea or of the venture that you are, I will look into the competitions. Competitions are a great way to get non-dilutive funding. And at least like it will give you uh, something to, to, to get it started. And um, something that I have actually used in the past um, is look into programs where you can actually hire internships or co-op students that will assist you. The, again, that also depends on the nature on the type of business that you're doing, but that's very useful because then you can even like see if you can partner up with universities and maybe bring your solution to, to those institutions. So I think like those will be the main ones, but I think that if you already have um, the business plan in in place, and or, and if you have a pitch deck in place, I would just just go and sign up for any kind of competition. The Startup Fest, um, I know Startup Canada has a competition too. Even Collision has a competition. Um, I will I will look into the local uh, anything related to local, but um, and and make the use of LinkedIn as well. That's another thing. I think that that when it comes to social platforms, all social platforms, you know, they have different. Uh, audiences and we can be in all of them but every I, I find that every social platform has a purpose and LinkedIn has been definitely one that provides very good information of what's going on in the ecosystem I will just go and follow anyone that is in the ecosystem that your business falls into or even in the into the startup ecosystem and everyone there shares any opportunity so everybody follow Kayla yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and that's how you really and you know what it's something these days with tech and the algorithm everything that we think is going to show up on an on an ad so i will direct your thoughts into thinking more about i need funding 
<laughs> and <laughs> and it will show up mm-hmm. or i need a program i need as an as a literator and i'm and i and i i can assure you that after we hung up this call um there's gonna be ads coming into um that you know like anyone uses the ad but it's true it's true so <laughs> if you're shaking, they're listening <laughs> The algorithm as manifestation. I love it. <laughs> That's making yeah. your technology work for you. And one, one note, Vanessa mentioned one of the Startup Canada uh, pitch competitions that we have, our Startup Global Program. Over 30% of the participants in that program are newcomers. And our funding application is open to anyone who lives in Canada. So if you're an, under a year um, in, in starting, you're under a million in revenue, you have no employees or up to, to nine employees, you you qualify. So a great opportunity. International students too? Uh, international students, uh, if they're residing in Canada, are okay. Oh, they, they, they don't have it's to be permanent residents. Oh, no, you just have to live in Let's talk. There you go. You can start. Okay. <laughs> um, so just putting a little plug there as well. You know, the business benefits finder Vanessa was mentioning uh, with government support that can help uh, navigate through some of those resources. And a great resource is Pocketed um, as well. That's a free tool. You enter in some information about yourself and they can showcase various grants and and offers there. So lots of tools that are built by founders to help solve this problem of where do I actually find funding. To wrap up today's episode, I would love to know know, any additional resources that you would like to share with our community at the end of of this episode, because you know how I love the resources. Um, And one kind of call to action. What do you think Canada can do better to support immigrant and newcomer entrepreneurs? Are there any sort of major gaps you're seeing within the support organization landscape? Any call to action to our listeners as well of products they should try or buy or support? Um, What would be your additional resource to add and a call to action to all of our listeners? What I would love to see, um, I would love to see a one-stop shop. A one-stop shop where information can be gathered under one roof. Uh, regardless of the province or municipality or whatnot. So I find that in Canada, information is so segmented um, that, you know, when you start doing your research of opening your business, you know, time goes by when you're researching online. And then, you know, next thing you know, you have 20 tabs open on your browser. Um, so I look at uh, sort of like my my gold post or my, you know, my best case to follow would be something like the SBA in the US, the Small Business Administration. Um, if you go to their website, it's beautiful the way they have it, everything. Like if you want to open a business, um, that's where you go. Like you just go to the sba.gov and that's where all of the information of opening a business, regardless of which state you reside, um, is there. All of grants information, pitch competitions, everything is there. Um, so I see the need for having a one-stop shop, um, not just for, for, for newcomers, for anybody who wants to go into small business ownership. Um, that's one thing. Um, and then the other thing would also, I, I want to put a, a, a bug in kind of everybody's ear about, uh, and this specifically to newcomers about, um, uh, there's going to be a, a big gap. It's a three, $3 trillion issue or problem coming up where a lot of small business owners, Canadian small business owners are going to be retiring soon. And there is no succession mm-hmm. planning. There is no, it's a three trillion, two or $3 trillion. I can't remember. It's just ridiculous. Uh, it's a huge issue um, and there is no plan to mitigate 
that huge gap that's that that vacuum that's going to exist from um from people wanting to retire and 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 they, there's no plans of succession so looking at uh at immigration looking at newcomers as a potential to bridge that gap of succession planning i think would be a great opportunity for not just the local economy but obviously for um for potential newcomers that that you know they don't necessarily want to start something from scratch they potentially have the funds um is there is there an opportunity to create some succession planning programming um so that you know everybody benefits so, you know it's a triple win at the end of the day. So I think those are the two things that I kind of I kind of wanted to talk about in terms of Canada as a whole. I did mention that I have resources. So if you go to my website, carolarabriones.com slash resources and even slash blog, because I've written a lot about from the point of view of being an immigrant entrepreneur. Um, you know, there's questions about how to how to open an importing business or an exporting business or a food business. And, you know, all of the, the these types of questions that I get asked from my clients, I've actually done a blog posts and guides and so on and so forth. So, um, yeah, so go check it out. Oh, Carla. And I love that succession planning topic from the perspective of newcomers. There's a huge opportunity there. And the Canadian Federation for Independent Business is doing a lot of work in that space for this year. So could be a great linkage there on that side. Vanessa. So um, I think like when it comes to the resources or something that we can do better, um, and I think I'm going to touch more on the point of diversity and inclusion is maybe like hiring more people, more diverse people that speak different languages. Because when I think from the perspective of my parents, my parents are not really going to learn as much English as, as like it's going to be very limited. And like them, there's plenty of people. So if we make the services and the resources also accessible in different languages, it will definitely facilitate a lot more. As much as like we are still in Canada, um, we still have to like immigration is it's a huge part of us. So if we if we make that more accessible to to our community, not only by of course like having because there's so many resources out there, but then who translate that or who's like how's the customer service like are those organizations very well funded that it, they offer the right training to their staff that they can care enough because what i find is also that yes we go to some centers and they just don't care so the service uh, the service experience is not really as a great and it sometimes we we go somewhere and we don't really solve our issues so i think it's just really like looking into what's already in place and see how can be improved. And I guess like, especially when it comes to the communication, like um, the type of training that people are giving um, in terms of like the diversity and, and inclusion. Um, another call to action, and I guess more on the student perspective is, since there's so many different partnerships with international students, maybe look into partnership with on a global scale with other countries and trying to set people ready before they come in here. And that's where like the one-stop shop will will come really into place. Getting them trained on how things work here. Um, and, and I'm talking more on my experience on training my parents um, uh, on, okay, this is how, where you go. This is how, like, and I ended up even training my own staff because they are newcomers too. And I usually uh, hire people who are under a year who came here because I know that those are the ones that are struggling the most. And I find myself giving them financial advice that, that at first I didn't even have, and now I can direct them. So I think if, if we prepare um, those countries that we know that uh, we get most immigrants from, 
and provide them from on those countries those resources or those one-time shops that that will be very helpful that is not really um it's not a it's not a myth it's not it's not a myth <laughs> it's 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 you can really speak up and and spread the word on on how things work where to find things and 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 really like that that like elevate what what Canada is because when you find yourself in some like I mean I'm in groups on Facebook that are Latins Latinos in Toronto and I read sometimes those stories there and I think wow I wish this like a lot of these people they really don't know what they don't know and it's even less of what I even don't know so I think that this that we need to do better at spreading the information correctly yeah, it's an, it's accessibility. Like we talk about accessibility, but we don't actually think about it as it pertains to language or you know this this perspective that you just brought on, Vanessa, is so important um, and is in the fabric of everything that we do in communities as a national ecosystem, et cetera. So I've loved all of those comments that that you both made. I feel unbelievably inspired. I want to start developing more resources right now, um, and I really appreciate all the heart that you've both put, both in your own businesses and in all the businesses you've supported. You know through this journey. Or You're both such incredible leaders. Um, There's so much humility and passion and just genuine um, energy going into everything that you do. And this has been such a great episode. Thank Thank you so much, Vanessa and Carla. Thanks for the invite. It was so much fun. Thank you so much for joining us on the Startup Women podcast, where we are committed to telling the stories of women entrepreneurs and uncovering actionable advice that goes beyond the surface level. The Startup Women podcast is produced by Lauren Hicks and Maddie Stiles. Visit startupcan.ca to explore the Startup Women flagship program and access advisory support and free resources. Be sure to check out the show notes to access important links, resources, and information that we mentioned during today's episode. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to another episode next month.